0: Welcome to the Tuffle Commutes, Season 2, Episode 1. Yes, we're back. Episode 1, Classrooms, in which we talk about unusual places where we've taught, what classrooms were like 100 years ago, the effect on the classroom on learning, and what makes a perfect classroom. Right, off we go.
1: You're listening to the Teppel Commute podcast.
2: Hi and welcome everyone to the Teppel Commute. We're kicking off season two, episode one today, where we're going to be talking about classrooms. The Teppel Commute is a podcast for language teachers, which is not about language teaching, but the subject will sometimes come up. My name is Lindsay Clanfield.
0: And I'm Sean Wilden, and Lindsay Clanfield's been practising that intro over the summer, by the sounds of it.
2: Yes, I have. I have. I'm getting it better each time.
0: Yeah, but that was a first take. Well done. Anyway, Sean, (laughs) how was your summer? Um, uh, Working, but good, yeah. My break's coming up in a few months, so I'm going to take a holiday then. So I worked for the summer, but it was interesting. Yours? Good. Very relaxed. I'm quite happy to be back at work now, though. I've had enough uh,
2: off time, so...
0: Off time. Oh, yeah, you, you were in the mountains or something, I guess.
2: So I'm happy to be back in it and kind of getting ready to go back into the classroom.
0: Oh, you see, I've just left the classroom because in the summer <laughs> I spend my time in the classroom train, t- training teachers in Oxford. So I've had some unusual classrooms this year. One thing Oxford University has is unusual classrooms, that's for sure. But um, I, I courses, kind of
2: imagine them like, are there like Hogwarts type classrooms at Oxford University, like really nice
0: it depends what college you're in. Uh, I mean, I've taught in some odd rooms and some really old kind of ornate rooms. The ornate rooms are more uh, kind of where we have dinner and those kind of things, uh, whereas the classrooms, I guess, are just, to me, they often seem like just random places, the random spaces they've turned into uh, into a place to teach the the
2: are you assigned your classroom a bit like kind of like the Sorting Hat?
0: <laughs> uh, unfortunately, no. But we're assigned our classrooms, but not by the Sorting Hat. Uh, um, unfortunately, but um, yeah, th- th- as classrooms go, they're not the worst I've ever been in, and they're, non- they're not the best I've ever been in. But uh, but yes. Um, so now I'm back to my usual classroom, which is my desk in my in my uh, in my house. Uh, This is a good
2: segue because our topic
0: our topic today is classrooms in general. And one of the things
2: we did that I did over the holiday was I did a little call out on Facebook. I think you did as well, Sean, where we asked other English teachers the most interesting, strange, funny, horrible, wonderful classroom they've taught in. You want to hear some of the things? We've got some pretty interesting things. I'm going to read them off to you. Go on then. Yeah. Okay. We got somebody. Uh, Mark Andrews taught on top of a double-decker bus, and even has a video to prove it. Um, lots of virtual world ones. Um, sort of uh, Second Life kind of crazy classrooms. Uh, somebody taught in the basement of the Bundestag Parliament building in Berlin, where visitors aren't allowed to go. Um. Another one here was uh, boats. People have taught on sailing yachts, for example. Other ones on other boats. Uh, Someone uh, shared that they had conversation classes in beer gardens in
0: Munich in the late 80s. That was Andy Cowell. Um... I think I think the beer garden and pub is probably quite it's quite a, quite a normal one that is
2: I think quite a common one Raquel Oliveira in uh, Brazil uh, taught in a urologist office with themed supplies I didn't really quite know what to reply to that so I just kind of put a shocked smiley. Um... <laughs> Lots of people teaching in kind of like, uh, you know, bad areas, like in the hallway, uh, you know, in a closet. Um, I've taught in like sort of supply closets at business, in businesses where the, they just didn't have a classroom. So we were sort of in the photocopy uh, supply closet.
0: Uh, I usually end up, if, that, that, when that happened to me, it used to be the canteen. You know, you, the, only, the only available space was in the canteen and you have to rock up and, and teach there.
2: Um, Other people have said, for example, Susan Hilliard, upstairs in McDonald's in Buenos Aires, um, uh, in the cellar of an old university building, um, uh, in a a bar's again. Nicola Meldrum taught three doctors in a hospital ward. Um, So it was in an office in the ward, but kind of like a goldfish bowl. Um, More
0: bus. Um, a bus came up you know, when I was kind of researching the topic for for the podcast. But um, if you put in unusual classrooms, bus comes up in the images of uh, Google Images uh, quite a lot as a, as a classroom space. I guess so, that's the thing with English teachers is that the kind of teaching that we do, you can really do. Like
2: anywhere. So I'm sure there are lots of other teachers who have had quote unquote classes if we take conversation classes or private students as an example in in all kinds of places. Um, I think for me one of the most interesting places I taught a class was on a plane uh, at the Manchester Concord Airplane Museum. Although it was a class for
0: teachers like a teacher training session. But I'm going to count that as well. What about you, Sean? I, I know the strangest places are, are not that strange compared to those that we got for the call out. I, I think you know, I, like you said, odd spaces in companies. Uh, With it, I've done. I think I've done more training sessions in in more beautiful places, like in in grand libraries and stuff like that, than 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 actual teaching. But it made me wonder that is the concept of classroom uh, I, as in just the place a teacher rocks up to teaching. Um so when we talk about classroom if if it's a pub does that become the classroom or or is there a certain thing that that we need to define this as being a classroom space
2: Yeah I guess I mean I suppose if you ask someone to draw a classroom someone who's not a teacher draw a classroom they'd probably all draw the same kind of thing a square with a a board at the front and and desks chairs probably in rows or maybe around tables or things like that this does remind me we're now segueing into our next section thanks sean it reminds me of uh there's like a meme that goes around, especially online and on Facebook and on YouTube and stuff. I've seen several videos for it and at TED Talks and things like that of, uh, there's like a little anecdote that Rip Van, Rip Van Winkle, um, the guy who goes to sleep and travels into the future, um, he wakes up uh, after a hundred years sleep and he sees everything is so different in the world. Like he goes out and he he sees all this new technology everywhere and he sees hospitals have changed and he. Sees all these things have changed. And then he goes to a classroom and he thinks, oh, this is exactly like it was when I went to sleep 100 years ago. Have you heard this meme? I've kind of
0: heard. I've not heard it in that particular way. But I think you often hear, especially I think tech writers often talk about the fact the classroom hasn't changed in in 100 years. Yes. Um, Sometimes it's a
2: hundred years. Sometimes they go up to like a thousand
0: years, four hundred years.
2: I, I did a collection of quotes from Ted talks where they all, they go right back to like, you know, Roman times or, or, or the medieval ages and stuff like that saying it hasn't
0: changed. I don't think it's really true though. I just also wonder how much different, just being, being devil's advocate, does it actually, would you expect it to change? I mean, okay, things would change like blackboard to whiteboard to interacting whiteboard, maybe. But really, would, would you expect the, the, the physical space of the classroom to change that much over over that much time?
2: Uh, and,
0: well, I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of the people pushing this, the EdTech people on
2: TED Talks often pushing this, are, have, have a, uh, an agenda, I would think, which is, um, often they're, they're with, uh, virtual, uh, schools, things like Udacity or, or, or the big MOOCs and stuff like that. So they're kind of pushing for a revolution in education in that way. And, and, and therefore what they're doing, I think, um, is, I read an article about this from, uh, Brendan Whiteman. Uh, we can provide a link in the show notes. This was at ELT Jam. He talks about narratives of change in education. Um, and he calls this one the, like the classrooms, are the same 100 years ago as the no change narrative and in his words it's used as a stick to prod poke and sometimes bash both teachers and the education system depending on hold who's holding the stick so the message of this no change narrative is that education hasn't changed or progressed
0: in centuries um so is it is it therefore using the classroom um, this kind of as a thing that, the, because the classroom itself hasn't changed, therefore education hasn't changed, and what we do in it. Exactly. It's that kind of a thing as well. And also,
2: uh, coming back to what Whiteman says in, in his article, which I, I, I quite liked as well, he says it kind of negates... Lots of big changes that did happen in education over the last century, uh, especially in, in 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 Europe, in the United States, and so on. So even t- talking about like how many girls are now in classes, uh, handicapped children where they are, segregation, uh, what the curriculum is focused on, etc., etc. Um, and and you know, often the starting point of the hundred years ago is that there's not enough technology in classrooms, but even that is changing. If we think that in the UK. More than a billion has been uh, spent on education technologies, a billion pounds uh, in primary and secondary schools. And, and, you know, this is happening in other countries as well. Not to say that it's all being used correctly or being used uh, in the best possible way, but I'm not sure about this, this narrative of, uh, you know, classrooms today look exactly like they do a hundred years ago.
0: Um, it's true. I, 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 I don't think, the. Yeah, I, I don't think the narrative that you can draw the parallel of classroom being education hasn't changed. Um, although I, I do, I mean, you talk about the UK though, I think of some of the, the countries I've worked in where the classroom, you know, really probably hasn't changed that much. You know, this archetypal classroom of a blackboard of a of a stage where the teacher sits and the and the desks in rows, which I do uh, you know, I, I guess in terms of a, a physical environment um might not appeal to the students. That's not to say that the teaching that goes on there isn't you know current up to date or or whatever, but I can see why there might be negativity about this idea of or you know of it being fixed as a as as a as what it looks like um and how people respond to it.
2: Yeah, what I thought was interesting is actually when Second Life started, uh, you know, being the next big thing, the virtual world of Second Life, and there were lots of very progressive and different kinds of classrooms being built there. But a lot of classrooms actually in Second Life were reproductions, although more modern looking, of the traditional classroom. So like you would virtually go and sit in a thing where the chairs might be more comfortable um, or there might be sort of like you could see the sky and stuff like that. But it would still be everyone sitting around with the lecturer up in front. Talking uh, alongside a screen showing video or showing whatever, so it's interesting that even then, and I'm not—I I know that there were notable exceptions to this, but I think a lot of the virtual classrooms, where really you know you could do whatever you wanted, were still like regular classrooms. So, is there something about that space that has survived all these hundreds, thousands of years? Whatever we say. That means that it is uh, a place that people like associate with learning.
0: As you say, is it is it the experiential kind of association with learning that you know that when you when you cross the boundary into that place, um, you it's it's a place where you you learn uh, and therefore you it it kind of gets to It's very deep for us, isn't it? (laughs) Um, (laughs) We're getting deeper than we usually do. No, no, yeah, no. It was an interesting uh, interesting um, discussion. Um, Do you think, therefore, that um, the, the 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 actual physical classroom has an effect on learning. I mean, people say that what the, what the teacher does has an effect on learning, but, but, but the classroom itself, do you think, do you think it, it affects learning? Um, yeah, I know
2: this is often, I mean, this is very pertinent to language teachers because we, uh, even in a uh, pre-training uh, pre-service training, rather, uh, we talk about the use of the classroom space. And so, you know, for, if you're doing things for pair work, you ideally want to try to set up the classroom in which it would be easier to do that. If you're, uh, if you're setting up the classroom for an exam, that will also dictate how you set up the seats, for example, uh, or, or, or if you're wanting to do like, um, a kind of, uh, there's a small group of you, let's say eight to 12 people, you can set it up in a, a circle or a semicircle where everyone is kind of sitting around, almost like a kind of United Nations type uh, feel to it.
0: <laughs> we do like moving furniture as ELT teachers, don't we? Well, we do. And
2: there's, a, there's often like, a, you know, whether or not we're uh, they not we're able to, if you're in classrooms where the, the, the seats are all locked down. But I think that the fact that that is often talked about in pre-service and often done by language teachers would indicate that the classroom layout does have an effect on learning and I notice it immediately from when we switch from uh, uh, everyone sitting in lines or rows rather to everyone sitting in a circle I do notice a difference myself um, as a teacher. Do you have a preference? It depends what kind of stuff I'm teaching and how big the class is. Um, For example if I am giving a a, a seminar to 80 people, rows is just fine. Um, I'm not going to try to reorganize everyone there just seems to be too many people th- to do that um, although I did give one in a ballroom where everyone was sitting around tables so it felt like I was giving a speech at a wedding but it was <laughs> actually really good because when I said okay talk at your tables about what we just went over with here um, there was some nice buzz groups which I don't get as well if I'm addressing a big auditorium with everybody in rows I can sort of say hey check with a partner talk with the- about this with a partner um, never quite as good
0: so yeah i I, I mean there are obviously there are lots of parameters that determine i mean obviously rows work perhaps best in very large classes um whereas as you say with a smaller class you might you might change it change it round. is it just um i mean you're we're talking there about um about obviously the seating arrangement and uh with it but if you kind of look on um if you look at what people say about the effect of of classrooms on learning then obviously there's much more to it than just this, the furniture people talk about the light and the temperature and the noise and and all those things having a, an effect on learning uh, you know that if there's no actual daylight in the classroom then the learning might drop off uh, or if there's noise then students will be distracted it's uh it's a lot of people have written a lot of things about the about the the environment of the classroom. I
2: I guess I would also like tie in with oh we're getting really serious again here now, but it would tie in with like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So your basic needs to be met to get motivation would be that the bottom rung of that uh, that pyramid of needs is like your physiological needs. So that would be is there enough light? Is it too hot or is it the right temperature? Is it too cold and so on? If those aren't being met, then you cannot. Uh, get motivated for other things. I mean, it would just be too distraction.
0: And now it's time for some more teaching philosophy from a Facebook meme.
1: Stand tall, keep your head high, laugh, smile, give hugs, lots of hugs. You are a teacher, you are a hero. Author
0: unknown. If you if you think we're being too serious, then uh, Lindsay, there is a, a website. I uh, going back to your uh, your classroom seating. There is a website that is dedicated just to different classroom desk arrangements. Um, I don't think it's been updated in a while, but they have lots of them. Uh, and I did notice that they. Um, I mean, we talked about. I think we, you talked about Rose and uh, and that. I, I'm, I'm always familiar with the horseshoe. I think my class, my in the school that I worked in, it was always the horseshoe. And I did I did notice on this website. That they gave the they, they gave the they gave their seating arrangements some interesting names so i I picked out uh five of the names for you and i I wonder if you could tell me what the seating arrangement would be so i I'll, I'll start with one you should get get based on what you've do, what you've said previously so the the first one they said and this works best for g- groups of about sixteen people apparently, so they've called it the lasso <laughs> the lasso like there's yeah. a lasso like lasso, l- yeah, l- yeah sorry.
2: <laughs> whatever okay. So those who, so this would be like 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 one person, one chair at the front, and then at, like
0: it kind of all rings around like a like a circle, like an O. Yes, that's right. A big O, big circle group. That's that's what I'm thinking about that. Um so that would that was the easy one to get you started. So um you're a bit of a, a game geek as well. So another classroom one they've named as Tetris. Tetris Oh, is that kind of like so you're at the front, the
2: teachers at the front and can move horizontally <laughs> along the alongside the thing and everyone else would be like in different kind of blocks
0: like L shape an L shape of- Yeah, yeah, exactly. There'll be some kind of square blocks of there some L shaped blocks. Obviously if you know the game Tetris you know the kind of shapes that they would be. Yeah, okay. That's good. So, so it's based on that. Okay, so um still that's still I think that's still quite a a normal a, a logical name for one. So let's get a little bit uh so we'll go to a big class area. So she's the person, I don't know if it's she the, the, on the website, uh, describes this setting and the name they give to it is Pancakes and Bacon. What? <laughs> pancakes and Bacon. Okay, I'm going to guess. Two
2: round uh, formations of students sitting in circles at the beginning. Behind them are rows of other circles, like the students, like the rashers of bacon.
0: Uh, it's not a bad guess, actually. It, it's kind of one long big row at the front, and then uh, and then um, a kind of a semicircle to be the pancake for it. I, I, now I can't remember. Uh, so the, the example would be the, the, what they say on the website. This is a good example of a style that would work well with a performance class or a debate panel. The student's sitting an arc while the spectators face him at the other end. Um, let's do a couple more, then. two more then. Uh, so the next one, if you think Pancakes and Bacon was a great name, what about Curly Eyebrows? Curly eyebrows. Okay, one student sitting, facing
2: like uh, three or four students in front of them. So it's like an interview kind of thing, and that that would be repeated.
0: No, no I, can, I can see you clicking. Um, the picture that they have on the website to go with it is is three rows, but rather than being in straight rows, the rows are kind of bent a little bit. So so the row looks like it's an eye, you know, the bend of an eyebrow. Over it. Okay, your final one. You're not doing too badly actually. You're doing better than I did. Your final one. Um, has got the wonderful name of Cake Anyone. Cake Anyone? <laughs> yeah. So you can imagine walking to a training session today. You? So, okay, today we're going to do seating. To oh, I think there. I know. I think I know. Is this one like like a cake with a slice taken out of it? Is that what it would look like? Uh, no. No. Um. <laughs> But that's that's interesting. I, I want you to create that in the next classroom. <laughs> is it is, <laughs> it is it is it like tables all scattered around a bit like at a restaurant, and the teacher kind of moves around like a waiter? Ah, uh, you're not bad. That's not bad. It's it's, it's it, yeah. It's basically pods of of two or four desks depending on the size of your desk, um, scattered around. Yeah, actually, yeah. Looking the picture, I guess is looks like a seating arrangement from a restaurant. So that's not bad. Very well done. Apparently, take anyone is good for uh, small group work and partners together. So so it's um, if you obviously we'll put the website our address on, the, on our website so you can go and have a look at all these wonderful names that they, that they, that they give the, the seating arrangements. Hey
2: Sean, talking about classrooms, maybe it's time to get uh, brushed up on our jargon. Uh, let's bring back uh, James, uh, the jargon buster, to tell us a little bit about some of the terms that are currently associated with classrooms.
1: The main change in classrooms in the last few years has been the growth of online teaching and as your humble jargon buster, I'm here to help you cut through the acronyms and buzzwords of this brave new world. Today, we're going to look at VLEs, flipped and blended classrooms. Here we go. So let's kick off with a term that many of you will have heard of VLE for virtual learning environment it's a term that has been in popular use since the mid 90s and refers to any web-based study environment. They can take many forms and you may also hear them called an electronic educational technology, e-learning, a learning platform, a CMS content management system, or an LMS learning management system. So this is our catch-all term for some kind of online classroom. Another popular buzzword is the flipped classroom where the students do the kind of learning you normally associate as being in the classroom at home and in class they focus on higher order thinking skills such as problem finding, collaboration and working in groups. Similar terms such as peer instruction have been around since the 90s but the first truly flipped classrooms didn't begin until around 2007. Although this is one of those ideas that critics say has been around in some form long before the buzzword was invented. (music) Blended learning, however, is a bit more difficult to define. The first problem is that it can also be called hybrid, technology-mediated instruction, web-based instruction and mixed mode instruction, which isn't very helpful. It's basic meaning is some combination of online and face to face learning, which then leads us to a whole new set of terms to deal with. And this is where Wikipedia becomes very useful. Here we go. Maybe we're talking about a face to face driver class where the teacher drives the instructions and augments with digital tools or a rotation class where students cycle through a schedule of independent online study and face-to-face classroom time, or maybe it's a flex class. In this case most of the curriculum is delivered via a digital platform and teachers are available for face-to-face consultation and support. But I'm not done yet. If for our students All of the curriculum is delivered via a digital platform but in a consistent physical location and perhaps they usually take traditional classes as well then we're talking about a labs class l-a-b-s or if the students choose to augment their traditional learning with online coursework they are doing a self-blend class and finally you'll be pleased to learn they could do an online driver class where all curriculum and teaching is delivered via a digital platform and face-to-face meetings are scheduled or made available if necessary. No wonder some academics think the term blended is useless and should be retired. So, I hope you've learned something today. If not, go back and listen again because we're going to talk about it in your next lesson. Until next
0: time, this is your Jargon Buster, signing off. So so we're almost done then, Lindsay. Um I just I was just thinking about we we're talking about seating. Um where do you sit? If you go into a classroom, where do you sit? I've always 'cause because it annoys me so much as a as a as a presenter, when I go into a classroom I always sit on the front row. Cause I just I I, I always sit as a
2: teacher, it always annoys me as well. And so I always I always sit at
0: or near the front. Maybe not right in the front row, but maybe the second row. Oh, yeah, everybody. Okay, I, so as close to the front as possible. Because the other thing with my bugbear is that, um, especially when you're doing kind of a, a training session or, or a, a, a talk somewhere, nobody ever sits on the front row.
2: <laughs> I think that teachers are absolutely terrible at this, in fact. Every time I do training with teachers, I see... And, well, maybe not just teachers. Adults in general, you can see them revert to their like childhood state when they walk into a classroom and look where they're going to sit. So you can tell when someone looks around and then finds a seat in the corner by themselves, you think...
0: I can almost see them as a child doing that, and you can. You can I always find it funny when, when somebody comes into a, one of my talks late. Not funny that they're coming late, but funny they look at and the talk's quite full, and they're looking around, and the only seats at the front, right on the front, the front, and there's kind of this personal glee inside of me that they're late for the talk and they've got to walk all the way to the front. You can see the stress on their face.
2: Yeah, and I think also you also get. I also see the child within when an adult comes. I guess like, like what I do, comes and sits down right at the front of the class and puts the book out and puts the pen neatly in front of the book and the other thing neatly there and then kind of sits with their hands crossed onto their laps.
0: It's like, come on then, entertain me.
2: It's, uh, <laughs> yes, or, or a teacher's pet. Um, yeah, it's interesting how people kind of go to where uh, they, use, they always go in a classroom or people kind of coming in in pairs and sitting or like how many spaces do they leave between someone else. You know, so that you come into a classroom, someone's already sitting there. Do you take the seat right next to them or do you leave one seat, uh, one seat between them? It's an, uh, it would be an interesting thing to kind of psychological. I was going to say,
0: is there a psychological thing behind it? Do you think?
2: I guess there is probably in the same way that there's a psychological thing of what urinal do you go to when you <laughs> go and there's like a a, a million of them.
0: Always go to the middle. So just, just just to see what the next person does. So, yes. So you're one of those. <laughs>
2: I, kn- I remember you. <laughs> anyway, I think this brings us to an end of our classroom discussion. Of course, as always, we'd be interested to hear what you, the listeners, think about anything we said here. Uh, do you agree with the classroom's 100 years ago meme? Uh, where do you sit in a classroom? Or uh, what's a perfect classroom for you? and what were some of the most interesting classrooms uh, you've ever taught in. You can leave comments on our Facebook page or on our blog. Uh,
0: I think we're coming to the end, right, Sean? I think that's enough. Uh, it's a, a nice, gentle start back to, for a new, new season. And yes, it would be good to hear what people uh, people think about uh, the classrooms and things that we've said. And of course, we'll provide all the links on teflcommute.com so people can uh, pick up and, and read any of the articles that we've talked about. Nice to be back. Nice to speak to you again, Lindsay.
2: Yes. Good to talk to you, Sean. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you next time.
0: Bye.
3: As your commute is coming to an end, here's an activity you can take into class. Ask students to close their eyes and imagine a classroom from their past. Give them the following questions to think about. Where was the classroom? What did you study there? What was on the walls? How many of you were in the classroom? What were the chairs like? Where were your books? Was there anything written on the tables? Where did you sit? Who was next to you? Was there a window? What could you see out of the window? What did the classroom smell like? What did the classroom feel like? Ask them to open their eyes and tell a partner about what they remember. Feedback in open class. Who had the most interesting or most awful classroom in the past? You can read more about this and find links from this episode at our website, www.tafflecommute.com. You've been listening to The Taffle Commute, an original podcast produced and presented by Lindsay Canfield, Sean Wilden and James Taylor. Don't miss out on any episodes by subscribing to us on iTunes or YouTube and by visiting us at www.tafflecommute.com.